episode number 391. People working in the system need to be aware of that and need to understand that that children, you know, aren't as fully formed. They aren't adults. And one of the things that happens sometimes when we're in the juvenile justice system is that we tend to project adulthood onto children. Welcome to the Be Real Show with Travis Tutal and Hoff, where we talk about life, dreams, social media, and business. Well, hello and welcome to the Be Real Show with Travis Tutal and Huff. Folks, you know your boy is always fired up, ready to bring you some fuego in your days, nights, weekends, or whenever you are listening to the show today. But after this show, I think you're going to, you know, have a heavy heart. You're going to want to maybe make a change and most importantly, pick up a book and read a book about the, the juvenile system in this in America, as well as other countries. You can just imagine it across the board and basically how the American justice system is, is failing us, especially our black children in many cases um, uh, through the system. And uh, a female that's written an incredible book about that, Miss Daphne Robinson. Daphne, are you ready to be real? Yes, yes, I'm ready to be real. Absolutely. Um, before we get into the book, before we get into, uh, you know, your life and talking about it, did you ever think you'd be writing a book at this point? Um, I thought I would at some point, but maybe not this early. But yeah, I, I thought I'd write a book. I didn't know quite what I'd write about, but um, it happened. So, And in the journey of you know, kind of taking, it takes a lot of time folks to write a book, just like writing, just like recording a podcast, Daphne. Uh, not only do you take the time to record with the guests, prepare, plan, um, you know, publish, um, uh, as well as obviously a, a, a body of work. It's like a book is a body of work. It takes a long time. Tell me first, um, because you know, you have a, a lot of, ex, um, industry experience in this, and in, in insider experience in this, tell me what what gave you the uh, motivation for the for the book though specifically. What was it a story specifically? What started the process and the journey of kind of uncovering, you know, the injustice as well as you know what how we can maybe help them as well along the journey maybe. Yeah. Um, well, let me say I appreciate you for having me on today. Um, I'm excited, you know, to tell you the story. But um, I was a I was a prosecutor for 25 years in the state of Louisiana. Uh, I prosecuted criminal cases as well as juvenile cases. Juvenile cases was what I prosecuted primarily in three different jurisdictions in Louisiana, uh, New Orleans, um, Alexandria, which is in Rapides Parish. You know, we have parishes in nine counties. And then the last time was in Caddo Parish. And the largest city in Caddo is Shreveport which is about three hours east of Dallas. And so, um, yeah, so I've seen a lot of things. Um, you know, some people were always angry with me because I was the prosecutor, but, um, you know, my, my perspective in doing the work was that, um, I, I never liked prosecuting adult criminal cases because to me, there was no value in just punishing people for the sake of punishing them. Mm-hmm. But in the juvenile system, the goal is rehabilitation. Right. So if I could um, do something that was going to help a kid get on the right track, then that's what I tried to do. Right. And in that process, in that process, you uncovered that there's uh, many inefficiencies probably. Oh my God. Is there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, there, there, there are many inefficiencies. I mean, the starting with know, who represents about, you, right? Starting with um, who represents you as your as your attorney. <laughs> well, you know, I, I can't really be critical of the lawyers that I saw gotcha. in um in court. Right. I mean, even public defenders, you know. I mean, they're overloaded people who have imagine. way too many cases. Right. I've seen a lot of really good lawyers who were just drowning in cases. Right. And I don't think you can, none of us can do the work that we need to do in the system because it's just too much crap, right. you know, too much crap. And when you're trying to go through the stack of files on your desk, whether you're the prosecutor or the public defender, it's just impossible trying to provide a level of fairness and justice to everybody that comes before you. Oh yeah. I can only imagine. Yeah. I mean, it's just stuff's yeah. going to fall through the cracks and uh, there's not an equal playing field. Every case is, is different. And it's also tried different. And the, uh, the, um, the penalty could be different. You know, someone steals bananas and they get yeah, charged I mean, for 10 years and one I mean, person steals bananas and they get, they get, you know, a slap on the wrist and, uh, and they're out the next day. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think that's the thing that, you know, frustrates you. Uh, the book is called Delinquent, How the American Juvenile Justice System is Failing Black Children. And I focused on black children, not that it isn't failing all children, but I focused on black children because, you know, black children are overrepresented in the system. Mm. Um, black children are five times more likely to be arrested more likely to be detained, more mm. likely to be jailed in facilities, more likely to be transferred to adult court than all of the other demographics in the juvenile justice system. Mm. So the question became why a lot of it is, you know, just system stuff that is hard to fix. I mean, you know, I, sometimes I compare the justice system to, you know, a plane that's on autopilot, you know, it's just, you just put it on autopilot and it's just going. But, you know, the problem is that, you know, nobody's bothering to slow down long enough to say, okay, this might be a different circumstance right. or this, this kid has trauma or mm. this kid's mother um, is not in home in the home. She's been incarcerated or she's being abused. This kid's father, you know, so the system has to slow down in order to give kids what they need. Yeah. That's the problem right now. Like you said, and the only way to do that is you have either more people or, you know, because if you have a, if you have a limited resources, like you said, if you're like a district attorney or something like that, or if you're a public, uh, a representation of the, uh, of the, uh, your, your, your clients, um, and you're just overwhelmed with 500 cases, you really can't spend any, get any amount of time really focused on any one of them. Right. You're just trying to do the best you can. And just like any of us, if we were overwhelmed with 500 things you had to do today on your, on your to-do list. How many are you going to get done today? Correct. I mean, are you really going to be able to get all 500 done? I mean, let's just be real. So um, if you had five well, things, know, I mean, I'm looking at four things. I'm looking at four things right now or three things, you know, that defines down the rest of the day today for me, folks, um, to right. the heavy things I got to get done before the day's done, you know, and, and if I had three cases. If I had, you know, these are three things that could be the same amount of time as a case, maybe studying and preparing or whatever. Um and so the problem is maybe we just don't have enough infrastructure or resources for the pro for the system of processing uh, cases. Right. I mean, I think that's one of the problems. Um, 
The approach that I try and take in the book is um, a public health approach. I also have a public health background. And one of the things that we rely on, I suppose everybody knows something about public health now after what we've experienced for the last couple of years. But um, one of the things that public health relies on is is data. So if Mm -hmm. we know how many kids are coming into the system, we know what they're coming into the system for, what they're charged with then we could start focusing on, okay, who are these minor offenders, these kids who are having fights at schools? Um, let's move them somewhere else. Let's put them in diversion programs. Right. Let's bring them outside of the juvenile justice system. And then, you know, based on the numbers, let's focus on the kids with the most serious problems, kids yes. who committed the most serious crimes. Right. So, Like some of these crimes I mean, lately are just scary happen. because... People are just walking into a, a supermarket with the with a you know automatic weapon or something. You know that's the to me the truth. Right. The, the right. scariest exactly. crimes. I mean, for the public safety, that's the really scary. I mean, horrifically scary crimes. And uh, and time and time again, just from knowing people in the uh, public health care system and having a lot of friends in the psychology world as well, um, is a lot of these kids are from uh, their generational uh, trauma or generational abuse generational you know it's it, it, um, uh, addiction and things like that and then uh, sometimes it's almost impossible to get out of that i mean it can only be impossible i remember one of my friends pierre right, exactly. uh, working at a car wash on my first job like my first i had a paper out i had other jobs but then one of my very first real jobs was working at a car wash and at a car wash you work with all sorts of people mm-hmm. some people are just getting out of jail to and that's their first job to reset their kind of Next step, and my one of my buddies, Pierre, he um he had just gotten out, and he had you know he was doing distribution and things like that. But that's what his whole family, his everybody in his family was in. So it was like, how were you going to tell this kid that that's not what he's supposed to do? That's what his mom told him he got to do, you know. And he was a good kid. I mean, but I always, I mean, he was he was he was finding the best for himself too along the journey, and um you know, uh, obviously we were in a car wash, we we're, we're struggling together, vacuuming cars together. And, you know, we're in the grind together, you know, uh, sitting there and talking too. Um, but it, it's, it's just those stories you hear too, that with, with, with part of it is that, you know, if you only know that, how can you change that? You know, it's just like anybody. Yeah. I mean, right. One of the other things that I focus on in the book is that um, so many of the kids that I saw in the juvenile justice system, black and white, um, had experienced um, something we call ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. Mm. They, and and there are studies that show that there are 10 things, nine to 10 things that affect, um, if they affect you at a young age, you will carry that effect into your adulthood, whether it manifests itself in, you know, physical health problems or mental health problems. And some of those include, you know, a parent being incarcerated Mm. or a parent, you know, witnessing your mother physically abused or having a parent that has um, a substance abuse problem. So these are issues that we know um, cause trauma to children when they come into the system. And so one of the things that I suggest is that we have trauma in focus training. I mean, Mm. trauma focused training that. Um, everyone who's involved in the justice system, it should be the adult justice system too, but that's a whole other day. Right. But the juvenile justice system, that people are trained to deal with trauma, they're trained to recognize when young people have um, issues related to trauma, and that um, we create a plan, you know, to deal with that. If a kid's put on probation, um, let's add in some, you know, some 
psychologist, uh, some you know person who understands trauma and how we deal with it to their probation plan. Right. Yeah. I mean, so that's, that's one of the things that I suggest. That's vital too, because the, the hard part too is that if it's happening, obviously as many do know, is it with the with the kids, especially even the males, that they're they're. Um, frontal cortex and everything's still forming still in those ages too. Not even to like in their to the early twenties, is it fully formed to where they can really do a lot of these, um, you know, understanding multitasking or some of these things in, in life. Um, uh, I remember studying that when I was working with Yahoo on a campaign and just understanding, you know, what's happening when between your, you know, 16 and 20 years old and your brain's actually forming to understand more things. And, uh, you know, um, I also remember at that age, right. you feel invincible too. You know, you also feel like you're a superhero and you feel invincible and you feel like you could do anything. You could be, you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, if you want to call it in that life. I mean, you could just feel like you could just do anything. And, uh, and, uh, I, yeah, I mean, the kids are more likely, kids are more likely to, uh, take risks and to do, you know, things that we would, you know, once we, you know, had some sense, you know, once right. we got to our, 30s and 40s and myself now in my 50s, things that we would never dream of doing. But when you're 16, you're like, hey, I can jump that tall building or, hey, I can, you know, take this car and and take the police on a high speed chase and nothing's going to happen to me. Right. (laughs) And so um, the system, people working in the system need to be aware of that and need to understand that um, that children, you know, aren't as fully formed. They aren't adults. And one of the things that happens sometimes when we're in the juvenile justice system is that we tend to project adulthood onto children and we say, you know, you know, what's wrong with you? And when I, you know, I suppose gained some additional knowledge, I started asking instead of asking what's wrong with you, I started asking what happened to you. Right. What happened to you to bring you into the system? Mm. But I think that's a really good point, Daphne, and just focusing on helping them with the trauma, finding ways to get through, get through it. And at the end of the day, knowing that we're focused on kids still, you know, and so whatever we got to do, um, you know, to try to keep them accountable, show them other paths, uh, give them other examples, too. I mean, at the end of the day, that's some of the hardest things uh, is that, you know. If, if that's your example, then, you know, if you don't give them, show them some other examples of other people. And I know, I remember, uh, Garen Jones, uh, who came on our podcast is a great gentleman talking about his transformation from being in jail and reading and all sorts of stuff. He got uh, put in jail on a, on just a, a whim. He just like, hey, I take this car here to there. And he didn't realize it was full of, you know, illegal stuff. And he just thought it was a good opportunity and got caught up in something and, uh, Change his life by reading and by by getting into books too, and just really reading. And I think that would be important for these kids too, is to understand the power of all these past centuries of 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 you know word, whether that's scripture, whether right. that's you know what I mean. There's so many different words. It's the Bible, whether that's you know many other things as well. Um, obviously, beyond the Bible, we talk about the Bible kind of as, as uh, some of the first you know fi- kind of first uh, book in the world. But there's think about right. how many books there are, Daphne, let alone your book. But think about how many yeah. other incredible books to surround yourself with and to understand. And uh, I think if we could fill the fill the youth, you know, uh, penitentiaries or prisons and, and things like that with more books and things for them to learn, too, uh, would be just great. So anyone's a book manufacturer, you guys need to be sending yeah, books. Feel- <laughs> Mr. Amazon, Mr. Right. Amazon, Mr. Billionaire, feel- trillionaire. If we filled... Um- you know, those facilities also, too, with people who are, um, you know, culturally competent, 
that can can deal with young people because you know sometimes you meet people in the system who really shouldn't be working with young people you know right. they just they don't right. have the disposition for it or you know sometimes we bring you know Travis sometimes we bring into situations our own biases oh absolutely and that's why one of the other things that that I advocate in the book is that we have implicit bias training that mm. you know judges and lawyers and folks who work in the system should understand that sometimes you know I'm projecting my own bias my own experience on a kid I mean you know we might ask ourselves well why are you wa- why are you walking to school or why are you you know doing this kind of thing because you know that's the environment that I'm in you know, those are things that I have to deal with. But if you don't understand that, you know, you don't come from that community. You don't come from that environment. You may not understand why a kid makes certain choices that they make. And so if we um, if we try to train the people, you know, I suppose my book focuses more on the adults in the system. Right. You know, if the adult folks in the system did what they should do, <laughs> then maybe we wouldn't have some of the problems that we have mm-hmm. with young people. Because it goes... Cause they're, they're continually going back and back in back in uh, getting out and going back in and getting back and going out back in. And uh, that could be a tough part too. Right. They, they have no way of that's figuring out what's next. Yeah. That's one of the things that um, kind of drove me to um, look at a different way, you know, moving towards the idea of asking, you know, what happened to you rather than what's wrong with you. Right. Was, um, when I saw so many kids coming back in the system with, and then I started thinking, well, something's gotta be wrong with this kid. We told you last time you shouldn't be doing this and you went and did it again. Mm. So then we see that there are mental health problems that are unaddressed right. or there's substance abuse problems that are not addressed or just problems within the home that nobody's ever paid attention to. Mm. And so if we started focusing on, on more of that in the system, I think we would stop having the kinds of numbers that we see. And then, you know, the, the the other problem is the school system. Yeah. We have um, put so many resource officers into schools, and I totally understand why, you know, that the system responded after Columbine right. and all the other I was the first year after Columbine. Did you know that, Daphne? I was like, first year. Daphne, 1999 was really? my senior year. Yeah, 1999 was my senior year. I remember there was a viral list at my school and the principal called me in and we, a few of us had to like not come to school for a week or two. And it was like, you know, it was just like, you know, copycat kind of stuff. It was happening after that Columbine, you know, and uh, that's when I feel like that's, that's when they yeah. started to put resource still- officers in every school. It was like every, after then it was like the, there was an officer there. Right. Exactly. And we're still doing it. I don't think, you know, any study has shown that necessarily having a resource officer in a school has prevented a shooting right um you you know those numbers may be getting better but what i do know is that having more police officers in schools has increased the number of kids getting arrested in school and the the number of kids getting arrested in schools more of them happen to be african-american and more of them happen to be kids with disabilities that's what the statistics show and so I kind of make the argument um, because I wrote this, you know, in the middle of the after um, I after I got out of the hospital. I'll tell you that story in a minute. But (laughs) um, during the pandemic, after the George Floyd protests. And so I kind of struggle with this issue of do we defund school resource officers? And some jurisdictions have tried to do that Mm. uh, and then redirecting those funds to 
mental health providers so that we can have more folks like social workers and psychologists and the like in schools to address the mental health needs of children. Because what we're seeing now is really just the culmination of so many things, you know, with the pandemic added on top of it. That's why we're seeing like ridiculous numbers of suicides, ridiculous numbers of shootings among um, school-aged children. Oh, it's horrific. That's horrific. And then you add fentanyl or some of these other crazy things on top of that, and it's just absolutely horrific. Oh, yes, definitely. But you asked about, you know, um, how it takes time to write a book. Um, I was in a really bad car accident. Um, I was airlifted from the scene. Broke, oh my God! Uh, both ankles and my left leg, and I still have metal in both my legs. And so while I was in the hospital, I was in the hospital in a nursing home after that for about five months, and that's wow. when I wrote the book. And wow. so it was just having having that time to really. And I saw I, I basically hit a brick wall trying to avoid hitting another car, but I saw it as a metaphor for where I was as a prosecutor in the system, I had hit a brick wall mm. in trying to get the system to change. Right. So I decided I would just sit down and write about it. And hopefully somebody out there will hear me and start making these changes. That's all it is too. It's like the little changes you can make folks in your lives. Uh, and we'll get into maybe how we can also, also change outside of the, re- of picking up the book, delinquent, uh, the book.com, I believe is the website here. Delinquent, the book.com. We'll put that in the show notes too. Um, you know, I think right. I, I would also I would also love to see people that have reformed themselves out of like a prison environment, like they've gone to prison, they, they you know, got busted for dealing or whatever it was. And now they're, you know, out and they're making money and we pay them instead of the resource officers to work in the schools and kind of because I feel like, they, <laughs> you, you know, they respect more of the OGs, you know, like, let's just be real. The gangs, expect, right. you know, uh, respect the OGs. If I, if people know, like when I come in and talk about my business, when I talk to the kids at the business class, when I, uh, at the, at the high school level, they respect me a little more because I've been running a business for 12 years. They, they understand, Hey, this guy's not just by, you know, coming by the, by the side of the wayside here. He's been doing this, you know? And so, and there's right. social proof and there's other things too. I got a podcast. I got things that are social proof uh, to back me up. Um, but I think it would be a great <laughs> thing that we could do is hire or, you know, employ people that are, you know, have want to make change in their life with the youth and instead of the resource officer, we hire them, you know, and uh, I think people will respect right. them more. I think it's easier approachable. I don't think they're going to bust people for random, you know, kind of BS stuff. I think that if there's something that's crazy, that's going to go down, they're going to do the right thing. And um, at the end of the day, I think that they'll, they'll have more success and in a bigger impact um, having people that have actually can kind of see them in their own way and say, Hey dude, like take the other turn, brother, let's go, baby. Let's let, you know, there's other, there's other right. ways out of this and, 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 you know, kind of just speak to him in a different way. Unlike if you talk to an officer, we're all freaking freaked out from an, an officer, dude. I mean, uh, Ms. Daphne, I mean, let's just be right. real folks. It doesn't matter. Skin color, race, ethnicity, a cop pulls behind you. We're all just a little bit, holy shit, you know? Um, but we know the, the right. statistics like you talked about, you know? Um, and so no matter what, 
there's just a fear there. And unlike if it's, you know, someone that, you know, you know, has made a big change or like say it's a music star or someone that's, you know, a football star that was, could have taken the wrong turn. And now they're, you know, speaking on a bigger platform. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. We have a few of those examples out there, but there's thousands of other people that are, have made the change that we could probably empower, you know, to come work a couple hours a week in the schools and speak and talk to them and mentor them and coach them. And I mean, there's so many coaches out there in the world for your, uh, you know, for coaching, for physical, for the team sports and for things like that. This would be another type of thing where you have a community and coach and, you know, uh, they're helping you stay on the right path, you know, and we're all right. going to, we're all well, going to make mistakes at that age. Uh, you know, we, yeah, we, and I think you're, you're, you know, you have a good point about, um, you know, the one thing that I saw with young people who were, especially kids that were selling drugs. Right. And, you know, maybe making money, you know, that you had to watch for the police. You had to watch for the folks you know, in the neighborhood who were going to try and steal your money or your stuff. Oh, absolutely. You had to be able to figure out pricing and packaging. It's a business, baby. And it's so, a business. You know, I would always say that, yeah, this this is an entrepreneur. And so yep. if you directed some of that negative criminal energy into doing something, using taking the same skills and putting them into a legal business, yep. you know, and that's, that's the is. best business person in the world. You're yeah. absolutely right. Realize like I'm, yeah. I'm sitting in front of sports cards. Realize there are sports cards you can sell pieces of paper that people will buy for one to $50 to a hundred dollars for just the same piece of card based on the player that's on it, based on the serial number, based on many things. You can go walk into a target, walk into a Walmart, walk into a dollar tree, find things at the dollar tree that can be sold on Amazon for 15 bucks and you make 10 X on your money. Um, it's not everything, but there's so many things you can do or if someone like that that knows how to build community is basically what they're doing. Let's just be real. Uh, you can transition that to anything. You know, you can transition that to anything. If you yeah. can build, you can build a, a clothing brands. You sell that to your friends, and you can build. There's so many things. You're a salesperson. You're a saleswoman, salesman, and uh, you're absolutely right. I think if we could get the entrepreneurship side to the to those focus, because let's be real. I know a lot of people at that age that make it so much money that the, it comes fast. You know, and so and you're not paying taxes, and you're not you know you don't see anything else, and so. Uh, you know, to, to be able to help transition them at an early age, at, at the faster the better. Uh, they'll ki- they'll crush it in the uh, in the real business world because it's even better because everything's legit. They get to keep right, that right. money in the bank, you know, yeah. and you're not having to worry about your your I you mean, know your home being on the realize, block. I mean, with the young, what you know, we have to make young people realize when they're because it you know a lot of kids are doing that kind of thing is that you know, it's short money, you know, short lived money. And you're, there's always the risk of going to jail, always the risk of getting shot. And many people can tell you that story. And so that's why we need to, you know, help them redirect that energy. And then, you know, I'm fascinated with that, that story too, because what you're talking about is really resilience. You know, what makes one kid come into the system, you know, two kids who committed the same crime and one goes on and overcomes it and, you know, does something better with their life. Absolutely. And, you know, we call that resilience. And that usually happens because somewhere along the way, the kid who did pretty well met somebody. Yes. And, and that somebody, you know, became the influence for them to move forward. Right. And I don't think it's going to be an authority figure. Right. So <laughs> that's why we got it wrong. No. So if, the, if it's the resource officer, it's right. We're going to look at them as authority. Hey, I don't want any issues with this person. You know, hey, no worries. I don't want any issues with you. Yeah, we'll, we'll be, we're cool, man. Just don't, don't come talk to me. You know what I mean? And so unlike 
if you knew that was the motivational coach on campus, you'd be like, Hey coach, what's good, man. What's the, what's the tip of the day, baby. What's the, you know, give me some juice for the, you know, for the day. And it would be a different vibe. And I think it would go further with the, with the dollars, just one simple strategy for anyone out there listening. Uh, but now we're about to get you into our top 10 Daphne. Are you ready? Okay, sure. <laughs> she's all, she's like, I'm not, I'm not sure what this part is, but this is going to be your favorite part of the show. Let's go. Apple or Android? Apple. Apple. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Netflix. Instagram or Facebook? Instagram. Give your Instagram a shout out so we can follow you. Daphne underscore R underscore Robinson. Yay. There we, there we go. We're going to put that in the show notes too so you guys can follow her. Chicken steak or uh, a vegan vegetable or vegetable uh, uh, meal if you're thinking about a good meal for tonight. Steak. Steak. Medium rare. That's my girl. Let's go. Mm-hmm. Laptop or a smartphone? Laptop. Laptop. Spotify or Pandora? Pandora. Pandora, the OG. Movies or video yes. games? Movies. <laughs> Let's go. Take me away. Take me away. Reading books or listening to books? Oh, that's hard. <laughs> Depends on what we're I doing. I enjoy huh? both, actually. But right, if I'm driving, then I'm listening to books. But yeah, I, I really do enjoy listening to books these days. It's a beautiful thing that you can do. You can listen to books and you can read them. And uh, I think the more that you take in little pieces of knowledge or podcasts or whatever, the better that we can be as in general. Uh, I remember hearing those many years ago, like that your cars, you're walking, uh, you know, college, basically you're walking, you know, basically school, if you think of it that way. Um, and uh, yes, now with, yes. with all the, all the platforms, it's easy to quickly pick a podcast, pick a show, pick an audible and just, and listen to a great uh, enlightenment in your drive. Uh, or when you're working out or walking with the kids or whatever. Um, stocks or real estate, if you're thinking about diversifying your portfolio. Uh, I'm going with real estate. These there days. we go. There we go. And if uh, you're, you're going to take a vacation today, Ms. Daphne, where would you go right now? An ocean or a lake? Ocean. Ocean. What ocean are we going to right now? What ocean are we hopping on the plane on and going? Uh. I'm going to Greece. So is that the Adriatic Ocean? Beautiful. The most beautiful oceans in the world. Yes. The most blue, beautiful yes. oceans in the world. Let's go. You deserve it. We all deserve a dang vacation after the last couple of years. Uh, when you're waking yes. up and you're, uh, you're getting ready, pumped, energized for your day, why do you love being you? <laughs> That's funny. Uh, why do I love being me? I, I just do. I love being me because I love uh, knowledge and I mm. love reading and learning stuff from new people. And so it's a, it's a good day when I can learn something. That's a good life. A life is full of learning. Never, never feeling settled, never feeling like we're at in complacement. We're always uh, evolving, adapting, learning and growing and uh, never getting too ahead of our skis either. That's what I always like to say. Whenever I get too ahead of my, hey, T Huff, you need to slow back down here, buddy. Let's let's start back here. Where we where we go, baby? Where are we going here? Uh, do you think you'll ever retire from um writing now and taking this journey of maybe uh continue to educate, continue? I think this could be a continued bigger path for you. Uh, 
stages, talking, speaking, you know, books beyond books. Well, that's, that's the goal. Yeah. Um, that's the goal. I mean, I, I, I've done a few um, presentations as a result of the book. Um, my last one was in Iowa of all places. Mm. Um, and so hope the opportunity will be presented that I can be on more stages to talk about what I learned in 25 years in uh, the criminal justice system. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm trying to, I was just trying to think out loud of the types of platforms and the types of um, events that would be perfect alignment so that you could have the biggest impact too, you know, and uh, people that are on the boards of things and people are, you know, that's what I would feel like. The people that are on the boards of the, of the funding of the, the prison uh, resource, you know, uh, officers or whatever, you know, that's part of it. You have to uh, impact everybody, obviously, but we also need to figure out who's on the boards of these things to make the biggest change. Uh, so we can get the votes in the right way and maybe allocate resources a little right. better for the future. Right. Right. So it can change policy. Right. Because sometimes the recommendations, many of the recommendations that I make require changing policy. So, right. right we got to get to the people on the boards get and to the people that are elected. People. Yes. And the future people that are elected, because if you place it in the mind of someone that is maybe even just up and coming an up and coming politician an up and coming Senator, you know, someone that's on the path that's ready to go make a, make a change. And they're going to be the people that are going to be doing the work on a daily basis too. So they can take your ball and run with it a little for you too. So I like that. We're going to find other ways we can think about that. I like that. Do you have a routine on how you start your day? Um, I got to have a cup of coffee. Yes, <laughs> me too. But, uh, so that's my routine, a cup of coffee, some water, a smoothie, and my computer. Oh, I like that. I'm a, I'm a man of liquids as well. I love different types of liquids. And uh, that sounds like the perfect uh, routine. Smoothie, coffee, water. Bam! We're ready. We're ready. Uh, do you have a favorite <laughs> app or a tool on your phone or that you just like using right now? Um, is there... Um, no. <laughs> No, I mean, I, I, I what about any other it. favorite podcasts or any it. other favorite content? Do you have any, have any other any uh, people you like to listen to? Yeah, one of my favorite podcasts is uh, Side Hustle Pro. Oh, yeah, um, nice. I forgot the young, the young. Yeah, she's really good, Man. and um, yeah, and um, what else do I like? I mean, I have a podcast myself that has. Oh, let's, to give, it let's give it a plug! Let's give it a plug! Right, right. It's called uh, Mississippi Born, Delta Raised. It's about, you know, growing up in the Mississippi Delta, which is where I'm from originally. That's awesome. It's cool. You know, check it out. So we've had, you know, several discussions about um, race and those kinds of things, how they impact people living in the Delta. And so, yeah, check it out. Um, Got about nine or 10 episodes Let's go. That I think your audience might enjoy. Let's go. Mississippi oh. born Delta. We're going to put that in the show notes too. Uh, if you could sit down to a steak dinner with anyone in the world, who do you want to sit down with today? Uh, Oprah. There we Oprah go. Rock. The rock, baby. Oh, that'd be a good one. Maybe the future yes. president. We got to get this message of the rock. We got to get this message of the rock. He might be the future mm-hmm. president. Or Mark Barack, Cuban. not the Rock. I'm sorry, I'm Barack. so sorry. Barack Obama, even better. He's been the president. We got to get this to his wife, who might be the next president, right? Right, exactly. We got to get to this. Right, right, Mrs. exactly. Mrs. Michelle Obama, <laughs> let's go. 
Let's go. I That's love right. that. She might be. She might be. Uh, uh, if they want to take, that, if they want to take that path again, maybe they enjoy their 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 time out. You know, uh, not having to be in the the spotlight as much uh, and be able to just yeah, I think they're life. done with that. Yeah, right. Yeah, I, I think, think so too. I think they're done with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would only imagine it's a lot. It's a, it's got to be a lot. You know, it's got to be a lot just on any on any human um, to have all those pressures and influence. And, and especially in this day and era where everyone's got a dang opinion, everyone's got a damn blog, everyone's got a dang podcast, everyone's got something. And some, some of it just, it's really good, you know? And so um, it would just be incredibly. It's really not. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I mean, like I said, everybody has, it's like, there's no really credibility or authority on a lot of this stuff. And so many times you have to know and appreciate that this just is a different time for anyone that's in that big of a public. I say, God bless them. And uh, it's got to be yes. just an incredible, incredible challenge. Yes. And uh, Michelle and Barack would be an, a great, a great combination. And Oprah to the three, let's go. Um, has there been a book yes. that has changed your life? Has there been a book outside of writing your book, The Delinquent, uh, uh, has changed your life? Uh, I think uh, one of the most recent books that I read that had a a great influence on me was cast by Isabella Wilkerson. Um, it's really a good book about, um, that, you know, the, the subjects that I enjoy talking about race, right. Um, politics in this country. Mm-hmm. Mm. Cast. I haven't heard that one. I'm going to check it out. See if they have an audio book. I like to do audio books. Now that I got kids. Uh, I listen to audio book, take them to the park they or things like that. Audiobook. There we go. There we go. And that, uh, that'll be, That'll be the next thing we do for delinquent is um, create yeah. an audio book. Hopefully next year. There we go. I love that. And you got to do it too. So we can have your voice and your impact on the, on the audience. If possible, if possible, but Miss Daphne, I appreciate your yes. story, your energy, your passion. The fact that you took a, uh, not a, well, let's just be a car accident is a horrific situation, a horrific situation. And you t- flipped it on its head. Meaning you took the actual uh, metaphor yes. out of the situation. And, and now this book and message, I think, has the ability to change more people's lives than ever before had you had not done this right and so uh i just hope more and more people go check it out can you give our uh, the favorite place for people to, to, to plug the book today yes you can purchase the book at uh, amazon or you can purchase it at my website it's delinquentthebook.com so check that out, folks, on Amazon or delinquentthebook.com. And we're going to put that in the show notes so you guys can quickly and easily find it. Like I always say, Daphne, to all my guests, uh, you know, the world is continually full of abundance. And in this case, I just hope that the abundance is this, the message we talked about, folks, the things that we talked about. And we just kind of scratched the surface. But that's the goal is to get you into buying the book, looking the book, reading the book. Uh, but Ms. Daphne, I think this message is going to take you more and more places than you can ever imagine. Um, and hopefully we can get to a situation where you could talk to someone like yes. Oprah or something like that. They could really even take the ball and, and impact it and uh, even more than you're already doing, obviously. And uh, so thank you for what you are doing. Thank and you. I, and I pray and hope every day after the show that we all think about this a little more and we do the most that we can possibly do in our day to make a little impact like you have in your day. And uh, I just want to thank you folks for that. So folks, you've been hanging out with Miss Daphne Robinson and Travis. To Tall and Huff, we want to thank you again for your time today, and let's keep being real. What another epic 
episode. And uh, if you enjoyed the episode today, can you please do me a favor and subscribe to our podcast, The Be Real Show, on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. And also take a little time today, if you don't mind, and give your boy T. Huff a review. I would really super appreciate it. And thank you so much for listening today. Do you want to get featured on podcast, guys? You can be a guest. And that's right. You have a story. And the people, uh, the good folks at I Love Podcasts, that's I-L-U-V podcasts.com, do that every single day. This is a new company, guys, in the space of podcast agency. And they realize a lot of the people in the, the space are just, it's just a commodity. And it does, they don't care. And these folks care. And I literally love Kenny and the team at I Love Podcasts, and they are doing it right for their customers. So you guys can be a guest on a show. I love podcast.com. That's I L U V podcast.com. Let's go.